Welcome to a Pulp Event Podcast, brought to you by the PulpNet, your link to the online world of the Pulp magazines for over 25 years. Online at thepulp.net. In this Pulp Event Podcast, Chris Kolb and William Lampkin discuss Selling the Shadow, a look at how the shadow was promoted in pulp magazines, on radio, and in films, from 1930 through the mid-1950s. Chris and his brother, David, are publishers at Age of Aces Books. William is proprietor of the PulpNet and editor of The Pulpster. This event was recorded on Friday, August 20, 2021, at PulpFest 2021 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I was going to start by asking Chris. When no, he no, was... no. We should start by sending oh, Dwight's right, regrets. Right. So, yeah, Dwight's, uh, you know, pretty bummed he can't be here uh, to share his collection with you. Um, but uh, he has given us permission to show his collection. So we're going to really, we're still going to be looking at all the great stuff. Uh, we won't get all the fun anecdotes. Yeah, we no, won't sorry. get any of the bragging. But uh, we'll get to see, we'll see uh, some awesome stuff along with, uh, you know, other things that we've collected um, in the way of, say, premiums, products, and uh, promos. Promotions yeah. for this. It's really just an excuse to have a really fun slideshow <laughs> of, like, all the stuff that isn't the pulp. Yes. around the shadow. And hopefully uh, Dwight to, will be your next year. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so going back to the beginning. Uh, so Chris, how did you discover the shadow? Uh, yeah, it's hard to say, but I know that there was a book that I used to get out of the library that had a huge influence on me that combined pulps and premiums and even cereals, and it was called Jim Harmon's Nostalgia Catalog. I don't know if anybody knows it, but I would get out of the library, and it had chapters on Doc Savage, Shadow, um, showed premiums, all the things that I'm into now. You know, I got this book out, and it just, I guess, must have changed my life, because here I am, giving the start. <laughs> but how did you find out about the Shadow? Well, it's sort of like the Shadow was always there. I don't remember first learning about him, but... Uh was reading the paperback reprints in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, there was a local FM station that would play uh, the radio program at 10 o'clock every night. And so I started recording that back when I was probably 10 years old, 12 years old. Uh, so you have recordings? You have recordings. Of, of the, the episodes? Of the episodes, yes. Okay. Still do. You can buy those. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> but, uh, you know, the shadow was always there for us. But yeah. in the 30s, late 30s, late 20s and early 30s, there was no shadow. And um, that's what we're going to talk about tonight, how we came about. Yeah, well, we'll give you a little teaser, of course, because we do want to show that this is where Dwight lives. He lives yeah. with all of this great stuff. This is sort of when you walk into his apartment. The Shadow Sanctum. Uh, this is his living room where he's got, you know, actual paintings by George Rosen, uh, along with these great signs, which, again, we'll take a closer look later. Um, all of these, you know, great collectibles. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I think we'll probably see a lot of these in close-up as, as, we, as we move on. But we do kind of have to start at the beginning when, you know, the shadow wasn't something to be sold. He was the seller. He was a marketing gimmick for a Detective Story Hour, which yeah, was... radio program. Radio program, which was based on the Detective Story magazine. Yeah, which aired at uh, 9.30 on Thursday nights. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. And the really, the, the really, the, the the nice ad is, of course, from a newspaper. The boring ad was from a pulp. Um, but uh, yeah, the, he started out as just an announcer, and then he actually became the narrator, injecting you know all of his you know, catchphrases, the shadow knows, and all yeah. that stuff. Um, and it, it, that took off, right? 
Right, yeah. And so he became very popular himself. And I guess readers, our listeners, started asking for the Shadow magazine. Right, exactly. That, 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 that exactly. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, Blue Coal got involved in a second series, which was actually called Radio Review, Blue Coal Radio Review. But they were still doing mystery stories with the Shadow as narrator. And that actually continues for a while, even when the Shadow becomes a real character. Um, and leading up to the first issue, they ran this uh, contest for many weeks in Detective Story magazine to uh, describe the shadow. Uh, and this is sort of the first way they were going to sell this and promote this very first issue of, um, of the shadow. Now, the results of the contest, you'll see in the last uh, thing, it wasn't until July. But, it, but all of the other issues lead up to April, uh, April 1931, which Laura mentioned, is, which is the first issue of... Uh, the shadow. So, wow, all this buildup. What, what does the shadow look like? What, are we going to get the answer? And, uh, yeah, no. No. Uh, yes. <laughs> Let's pull a file uh, illustration out of the, uh, the files. And, exactly, uh, exactly. It's funny because they did, uh, they went to a lot of work to promote this, but they didn't spend any money yeah. on, a, on a cover. Um, but we do get an illustration of Frank Blackwell. Um, which is a very convincing shadow. They almost have the look down. The very first but, but as we discovered going through this sort of chronology of this weird period before um, he gets the, you know, the red and the black hat, a lot of strange things happen, right? Um, so these are the next issues. And again, right, there's another, uh, yeah. Yeah, another reprint cover. Um, but the third issue they start to sort of show the shadow. There's a shadow behind the characters. There's this weird hooded character at the bottom who is, in a sense, the shadow um, in the series. Um, and that goes on for, for three months. Obviously, it started out quarterly. It becomes monthly, uh, October, November, December. Um, but who is that guy? Um, it turns out that he was the original narrator of the, uh, of the Detective Story Hour, uh, Frank, or sorry, James LeCurto, and he posed in some of these promotional shots, and they used those as the basis for the hooded character. But it's interesting because in, by 1931, he wasn't the announcer anymore. Right. Frank Reddick had, had already, taken, had already yeah. taken, taken the role. Um, I don't think we... But, but this hooded character... Sorry, Mike, how do I go back? Uh, uh, like yeah, this? Okay. Yeah, this hooded character, it looks like they were planning on using him from the beginning, right? Because this is a postcard that promotes The Shadow, a detective magazine, which is the name of the first two issues. Um, to kind of promote it, and they, they obviously didn't have a cover of him, but they were already using him in these postcards. Again, this is from Dwight's collection. This is a super rare uh, postcard that was sent out. And it's from 31. We don't know exactly what month it was. Yeah, I'm just saying because it refers to the title of the magazine from the first two issues, yeah. uh, it probably is that. And they used the hooded character. It's a Paul Orban um, illustration, as we learned the other night. Um, even these ads even appeared in 1932, well after the sort of the shadow we know was established. Mm -hmm. These were from Picture Play, um, and Carl Shadow and Dwight sort of did a lot of research, so I want to give them credit for that. Um, but this is Frank Reddick, who took over as the announcer and became, in a sense, the first Blue Coal Premium. If you wanted an autographed photo of the, of the shadow, and appeared in a lot of promotional, um, you know, like articles, like cover of Radio Log and all that. And he does have a fedora. Um, and this was happening at the same time as the nice. hooded character was on the cover. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Um, but you found this one. Yeah, this is sort of um, the Consumer Electronics Show of the 1930s. Um, they were having this uh, St. Louis program, and they're demonstrating television and radio. 
Um, and Frank, the shadow was going to be there in person. And he was masked for a while. And then finally, I guess on the last day, they unmasked the shadow, and it's Frank Reddick, of course. Um, yeah, because they were doing this whole promotion that, like, oh, this is how they were selling the, the, the radio show. Nobody knows who he is. He sneaks into the, into the office, and we don't know who it is. Um, uh, probably everybody knew. But they did this <laughs> then big event where they get to, where they get to sort of show that it's, that it's him. But at the same time, he was also... That's right. So this is, now this is September of 1931. Uh, and the... No, I'm sorry, this is September of 1931. Thirty, yeah, this is yeah, the third one. And so they they were doing these shorts that we've been watching every night. Uh, if you stay late, of the detective story hour kind of version of the shadow. And Frank Reddick voiced the first one because it was shot in New York. And then the other ones were, uh, you know, were done in Hollywood with a different, much larger, let's Orson say, Orson Welles-like character. Uh, yeah, yeah, shadow <laughs> character. Um, but these are great uh, lobby cards. Uh, you know, showing at least. Four of the five, but you can see even they were kind of struggling with like, what is the shadow? Is it just a silhouette? Is it a guy? Um, you know, every there's no branding. Yeah, you know, we're, we both did, did branding for for Pulp Fest and marketing, and we're like, where's where's the brand manager? Uh, right. You know, it's all over the place. Yeah, it's almost like it's a literal shadow of one of the characters from the movies. We're not. That's really right. Sure Actually, what. one of the silhouettes syncs up with just a random person, not the actual shadow. Yeah. Um, but it was, but it was pretty cool. So in 1932, right? That's when all of that's when all of the we really start to establish the shadow look as we know it, as yeah. we know it. Now they still have this hood cover, but that had to be uh, arranged in advance because it's got the silver plate. So that was kind of a leftover image. But you'll see in February and March they were starting to do the the fedora stuff, even though again, for radio listeners who are familiar with the hooded version, he's still down there in the corner. Um, and they then reused with gold ink. And again, if you want to talk about selling the shadow, these special inks were like a way to really draw the eye on the newsstand. Um, meanwhile, this is a really good local story, actually. Yeah. Um, Perfecto Light was doing a season of just a five episodes of the shadow season in January of 1932 using another silhouette. And this guy's got a top hat. Um, if we look at some other pictures, he's got a cane. He almost looks like the Whisperer in some ways with a pointed chin. Yeah. But anyway, it's interesting because there's all these different looks uh, for the shadow. And it's just kind of fun to kind of explore the sort of Wild West period, I guess. Um, yeah, actually, the local, the local angle of that is... The, oh, that's right. The company that was advertised... Perfecto was, Light. Perfecto Light was based here in Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, and then Perfecto Light's a special kind of headlight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but here we go, guys. Here we go. This is where we really establish the look of the shadow. And again, in July here, they used the silver ink. And I feel like they knew this is it. This is the image that we really want to promote. And so we're going to do the special silver ink again. And we're going to uh, get people on board. And yeah, it's almost like they settled on the image. But as we'll discover, they didn't. <laughs> right. Well, other, right. there's still other people showing different images of the shadow. But they're starting to now, they know what they've got, and they're like, and we're going to sell the out of this. Because that same issue, July, they introduced the hardcovers, like the first product of the, of the shadow. You know, people are asking for back issues of the magazine. We'll make these hardcovers. 
um, starting with The Living Shadow, uh, was advertised in the July issue. Um, and I think that is the ad. Um, of course, over in, on Doc Savage, Doc Savage was... was um, 33, yeah. Yeah, the, 33, they were doing um, these other, you know, they were doing books. There's a lot of great imagery around that. And then also in July of 32, this is the answer to the trivia question, but the Shadow Club. But it's also the second Shadow Club. What? <laughs> Explain that. <laughs> well, yeah, it's really funny. In, in January, okay, the, the Shadow's this big deal. He's like eclipsed Detective Story uh, magazine. And, and they're, they're sitting around the office and they're like, let's start a club for, for the Shadow magazine. And no one thinks to use the Shadow. They started a, a club called the, the National Protective League. <laughs> and so this is in January. And you would send in five cents, and they didn't give you anything. No you would just send in your five cents, and then, but you would tell stories about how, like, yeah, I think my neighbor's a fence. And, like, it was, you know, it's like ratting on your neighbor's stuff. And then, uh, and that, that, was, that was the whole thing. And then it was in J July of the same year, they were like, oh, wait, we got to, we can. <laughs> yeah, probably the kids were asking for the Shadow Club. And, exactly, yeah, we, exactly. Yeah. And they did overlap slightly, but then they decided that, it, they have, we're doing the same thing, yeah. and we got to cut pages in the back, and we'll just combine them. Um, so yeah, we got the Shadow Club, and later on they came up with this logo, which seems to be based on uh, Ghost of the Manor, which is very cool. But now we get to talk about the premiums. Okay, <laughs> the Shadow lapel stuff. Do you, do you have one of these? I do. Yes, a couple of. That's cool. How much? How much did you pay for it? I don't recall, but I okay. also have one that somebody had silver plated later. Oh, the silver plated. Yeah. That's very cool. Actually, there are uh, different uh, variations of that. But let's go back to exactly what you got when you sent in your 25 cents in coin or stamp. You got the badge, uh, you know, sort of a nickel silver badge. Uh, it came on this nice presentation card, which some people call a membership card, but there's nothing about membership on there, uh, except it says, dear member. And then you've got the, the envelope. Um, and of course, the envelope and the card are the hardest things to get, right? Uh, but you have them, right? I do not, actually. Oh, okay. Well, uh, it's not a competition. Um, and then, so but I was talking about variations. So the regular one is on the left. That's what well, regular one. The, that's the one that they sold the most of. It's the lapel stud. The they, boys' version. The, they, we're calling it the boys' version because the girls' version had a pin because you wouldn't be wearing a blazer, let's say. Um, and then there's this really weird, uh, seems to be a prototype version where they've done the Shadow Club logo and then someone's like, that is terrible. Um, have you read Ghost of the Manor? And then they did, they did, the, proper, they did the proper sort of logo. Um, and it came in sort of a gold, or it might just be because it's a prototype, it still has kind of a brass yeah. finish, I'm not sure. Um, very cool. But let's, now that was in, so those studs were offered in 1933. We're gonna jump ahead to 1934 with the second premium, which is the Shadow Secret Message. Which is, a, which is a message from the shadow. Now, if you, if you weren't a member, you had to write in to get it. But if you're already a member of the Shadow Club, they send it to you automatically. Oh, really? Now, how cool would so, it be if they didn't tell you it was coming? So what do we know? What's the message? Well, I asked Dwight to, to dip this in water so that we could read the message. And he, he didn't want to do it. He declined. I don't know why he did it. Yeah. I don't know why he didn't want to do it. But anyway, it's, it's, it's a fun premium, and not a lot of these probably still exist because you, you had to put them in water and then 
I don't know what happened right after Dissolve that. Dissolve or something. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. And then the, also in 1934, uh, I think that one was in April, this one's more July, there's the uh, Stamper, um, which, you know, it gives you sort of the member shadow club uh, that you can make your own stationery. That was the idea. Unless you cut off the member name. Yeah, this, is, this one's weird. This is one you see a lot of pictures of, and it's the only pictures I could find that were clear, where the person actually took out the word member, they shaved it off, and they also gouged out the word club. So it doesn't actually give you that um, stamper. The other thing is it also came in a little bag, a uh, little pouch. Um, and this is Dwight's. And instead of, uh, he's cropped it out photographically, the word member. I can't get a good picture of this. Um, I only have, I have the Doc Savage one. I don't have the, um, the Shadow one. And I guess it's important to mention that they also did Nick Carter one. Yeah. You know, they did the, a lot of the pulp heroes of Sweet Smith had, had sort of the same premiums coming out. But not the secret message. The secret message was specific the to the Shadow, who's very much into codes and stuff. Um, ooh, okay, but now that we've established the look of the Shadow, let's look at some of these awesome posters that Dwight has collected. Um, and this, yeah, I was gonna say, this is starting to advertise towards the reader, trying to get them to buy the magazine now, not listen to the radio show necessarily. Yeah, well this is a great one because we can see, there's a great photograph of, the, of this poster in context, and you can see how, like this is even like a newsstand like you think of it, it's just sort of a news like stall, and he put it on a stool, and people use these things in different ways. But this is a really great poster. Was this one that Steranko reprinted? Yes. And then also and this one as well, I think. Um, so those are great special specialty pieces of artwork. Um, a lot of the um, signage that came out was, of course, based on col col covers. And that looks familiar. <laughs> He's like, this is, this is so cheesy, man. <laughs> yes, that does look familiar. We saw that on Mobs Men and um, the silver cover. Yeah. It's the same, it's the same image. Um, and that's probably the very first, well, it's obviously the earliest sign that Dwight has found looking for these things. And I think that sort of illustrates, you know, the pulps were cheap to begin with, and so they, they weren't spending a whole lot of money yeah. developing new illustrations. And remember, this is even before they'd established kind of the look of the shadow. That's true, yeah. So they didn't, so they were just sort of reusing what they had. And you'll also see how that ties in with the newspaper giveaway that we're yeah. going to show. But a lot of times with these pulp, with these pulp window signs, as they're called, 11 by 14, they would just, they would have this sort of border and they would paste on the shadow one. All of the, like if you find Doc Savage, if you find Nick Carter, it has that from coast to coast, Street and Smith magazines, it has that sort of outline. The shadow, though, got an additional special one. This, uh, he knows, you know, who the shadow, you know, is, is uh, with different covers. You can find it with different covers. There's one of these on the floor, yeah, last, I, um, last I checked. Um, so it's still there. At those prices, it's still there. And then if we, uh, and the shadow also got this sort of deluxe, bigger one where they pasted on a, on a cover in the middle of it, um, and it's got the shadow's hand you can see holding the scales of justice, uh, and those are very cool. And now this is a small kind of a poster. This is bigger. Yeah, this is you know just a few inches large, and um, it would go in the, I guess the window of a dealer or yeah. something that they would you know to advertise what they sold inside. They also did them for Doc Savage, yeah, and Pete Rice. Uh, yeah, and Bill Barnes. And Bill Barnes, yeah. And Bill Barnes and Nick Carter. Um, but they were much smaller. The Shadow actually is the biggest one. Okay. I've collected a couple of the others. The Shadow's a, a big one. And true story, um, Billy and I are bonded for life <laughs> because we went, we went in together on a set of two of these at a Pulp Fest auction. Yeah. Uh, oh, and here's a poster that's really calling out the detective story hour. Or well, now at this point it's probably called The Shadow, but they're still doing detective story um, anthologies. Um, 
with the shadow as the narrator, but it ties in with the pulp because they were doing secret messages in the radio show that you would you know match up with the magazine. Yeah, Walter Gibson was real big into codes and secret messages, mm-hmm. and so this sort of ties in with that, the stories. But what's interesting, because the pulp did this ad, it's one of the few posters, probably the only poster from this period, that shows the pulp shadow. Because if you look at, like, say, this trolley sign from 1932, um, Blue Coal is still just showing the old, you know, sort of images of the, of the shadow, kind of generic, nothing to do with the pulp. This one's even in 34, and it's still just kind of the silhouette, which is kind of, which is kind of cool. Oh, so let's talk about this ne- the, another kind of newsstand. Um, yeah. Thing. So these were uh, giveaways, trying to get people to read the magazine. So they would produce, uh, was it 16 pages? 18 pages? Yeah, like a signature. 16 pages. Six, yeah, 16 pages signature. Uh, and we were looking at one of them. It was about four chapters. Yeah, so chapters. yeah, we, yeah, looking at the back, it doesn't actually, the story doesn't end at the end of a chapter. They just got to page 16 and then like pasted up, you know, what they, it sounds good. And yeah, then they could write the copy that, you know, that gives the promo stuff. Yeah, it sort of, sort of ends with a kind of a dramatic statement. And, yeah. So these are cool. And so all they had to do really is, is reprint the signatures or the pages as they were in the pulp, renumber the, 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 the numbering, and then they added at the bottom just this line of book-length novel complete and marginal numbering. So just backing up to explain yeah. the signature. So they were printed in... Oh, and, Do we have to explain <laughs> the signature? Maybe so. Uh, printed in these... Small sections. Yeah, then, that's right. You've seen how a pulp is. It's like there's like these little, you know. Yeah, then they bind all those together yeah, and yeah. glue them together in the pulp. Yeah, but that, those are really cool and they're super rare. They're pretty rare. Um, so we've talked sort of about the mid '30s um, and how up to this point, you know, the shadow on the radio has remained a narrator of of like mystery stories or specifically detective, um, you know, story, magazine stories. There has been rumor that he did love story, but we haven't really been able to Yeah, there's, there's, right, exactly. Well, Martin, yeah, Martin Grahams has sort of shot down the love story thing, but Walter Gibson said like, yeah, also that he narrated love stories, which I think is funny. We all think it's funny, so we love that story, so we repeat it. Um, but in 1937, everything changes, and the, sp- and the, sh- and the shadow starts to sort of explode. Um, because the shadow is on the air, on the screen, and in this magazine exclusively. Um, and, they, and the magazine itself is now promoting this kind of multimedia uh, experience. Unfortunately, they have said that this is Rod Rock, and it is not Rod Rock from the movie uh, Shadow Strikes, which was coming out in 37. It's Bill Lawler, the, at the time, assistant art director. Um, but this picture is going to come up again and again. Like they did, I guess, take it as kind of a quote-unquote official photo of the shadow. Um, but the, so in 1937, we start to get the what's called the continuity, I guess, shadow on the radio. The Orson Welles stories that we all know and love. And the promotion for that starts to now look more like the pulp character and things kind of come together and that image of the shadow kind of solidifies. Um, but this is an amazing, I just love this poster, and Dwight, if he was here, would tell you that this was found face down in a barn in northern Pennsylvania. Um, so if anyone's here local to Pennsylvania, check your barns, because um, these are pretty valuable. Uh, and here's another one, and it's interesting, this seems to be an ad for Blue Coal offices, 
because it says like this is your program you know this will help you sell more blue coal it seems to be you know, like it'd be next to like the kitten poster the inspirational kitten poster they put this up next to it by the water cooler i guess um, she wants you to sell it Super, super rare, super rare. Oh, and trolley signs. This is a great one, but again, you can see they're now using the actual image of the shadow. Um, obviously, we could say a lot about red and yellow and how those things sell. Um, and this is a really good extreme example where they literally just used a pulp cover to be a BF Good. This is when BF Goodrich in '38 was a was the sponsor, and I think this is the uh, the voice. Maybe somebody else out there knows. But I think the, the issue was the voice. And you'll see this image is also used for some merchandise. Yeah. So it's kind of like I think Street Smith was Much like, identified this as a as a image that, you know, is sort of a what would they call it? Like a I don't want to say clip art, but <laughs> it's Spot, sort of like an official yeah. yeah, official thing. And like like in the seventies was also used as a comic book. I mean not coloring book. Oh yeah, there's a coloring book cover. Yeah. yeah, right. There's all that kind of stuff. We're not going into that. Um, but yeah, but so in 37, there was also the movies, starting with The Shadow Strikes, Red La Rock. Um, and so that is Red La Rock, not Bill Lawler. And uh, that was the first one. And then there was also International Crime, which you can see from the pictures didn't have the shadow in it. It was a. Uh, Lamont Le Le Mans- yeah. Detective. Yeah. Thing. And stick around, we'll be showing that later tonight. So. That's right. That's right. I mean, we didn't really tease it well then. No, we didn't. We told we, we shouldn't have told them. Discouraging. <laughs> yeah. um, but but yes. Yeah, so here's Bill Lawler gun. So in '38, this was like the last, I guess you'd say, um, premium for the Shadow Club. Um, it's a portrait that you'd send away for. You get three. You'd find three consecutive coupons. Well, it didn't have to be consecutive, I guess. Just three coupons uh, from the magazine. Clip them. You get this portrait. Um, it also came with a piece of sh- stiff cardboard, uh, which is important for completists, um, and it had a really nice uh, envelope with the with the uh, return address and it, you know, the, a, a cool illustration of the shadow. Um, but it's, you know, Doc Savage was doing the same thing, at, but at this point in '38, it was the um, it was the Harris painting um, because the Baumhofer one, which was '35, had been very successful. Um, also in this period, a, a kind of a cool thing to collect, and this is definitely how they sold probably most issues of the, of the magazine, is a subscription, subscription form. Um, and so this is actually a combination for subscribing to Shadow, Doc Savage, Avenger, and it even includes inside, at that time, all the back issues that they would, that they would sell to you, um, which is very cool. And this is again from, yeah, from Dwight's collection. That's a great question, and I think you've actually hit on it. Because they had to arrange that, that um, cover in advance, uh, like well in advance because of the silver ink, and it was the first time they were doing the silver ink, then they, they probably didn't know what it was going to be, and so they didn't put the, put the name on it. But it was um, Dragon something? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, it'd be pretty, pretty early. Yeah, they probably don't go back this far. Okay, so we... Let's move on. Yes. Okay, so 1940 is now a really big year because now we're going to get the comic strip. Uh, We're going to get the comic book. 
And here's the comic strip being advertised in the comic book, which, is, which itself reprinted some of the comic strip stories. So this is like the inception <laughs> of shadow uh, promotion. Um, uh, uh, Paul that's where uh, John Nahermich was. Is that right? Oh, I wonder if he had pulled there. He was like, hey, could you pick up this feature? <laughs> like, because, yeah, I mean, yeah, check for your, your local listings yeah. and, and, or your newspapers.com for, uh, for these newspapers, and you can read The Shadow. Um, and then, of course, this is the year that The Shadow serial, um, the by default most faithful version of The Shadow that has been on screen at this point. Um, very cool. And the, the lobby cards are so rare for this, I could only find pictures of the, uh, the re-release lobby cards. Um, but that is a, a real one sheet. And, uh, and this is pictures of all the different kinds of posters that they had. And even some of the, you can see those are the actual lobby cards uh, illustrated from the press book. The press book which shows you know, all, the, all the different advertising. This is the outside of the press book, which is again another slightly different uh, image. But um, I just, yeah, I just love all this stuff. Um, and then this is the one premium, I guess you consider it, of the of the serial, which was a, it's a blotter, but it also doubles as a ruler um, because that's cool, I guess. Kids love rulers. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, every kid's got a blotter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, but they have ink problems. They've got to blot it. Uh, but anyway, so that's 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 cool, um, and so you'll notice on these like they didn't use the shadow logo, but the Australian Day Bill did use sort of something that looks like the the the, um, the shadow logo, and this other poster is from um, Argentina, and uh, you know this is something that actually took the shadow or they're already interest maybe internationally in the shadow, but kind of you know sold it around the world, which is kind of cool. But then we get to the end of 1940. Uh, the peak of shadow. Yeah, this is peak shadow. Yes. This is peak shadow. The Christmas of shadow. It's going to be a shadow Christmas. We all had a laugh about this, I think, the other day. Um, but, it's, but this is just great stuff. And spoiler alert, you're going to see some of these things in real life in Dwight's collection. Yeah. But some of these things have never been found, so we'll have to look at some other, other images. But this is from the pulp, this, this ad. This ad is from the comic book. And because it's on, printed on slick paper, the, the photographs are actually a little bit better. Um, but it's all the same, it's the same stuff. Uh, Shadow Game, so let's, yeah, we have, we have to move along. So let's see, so this is another Ad Slick. This is not Christmas related, this is sort of after Christmas. They were still selling this stuff. In the, the ones in Ad Slick, the ones from the comic. Um, chief among these, of course, big little books. You know them, you love them. They're easier to get than anything else on this list. Um, and again, beautiful stuff. Actually, better little books, I'm sorry. I'm glad nobody's yes. correcting me from the audience. That would have been embarrassing. Um, ah, The Shadow Game. Very cool uh, board game. Let's take a closer look at the, at the actual board, which is kind of creepy and nice. Um, the Shadow Stationery, which has kind of its own take on a kind of like angry cartoony shadow in the, in the sort of traditional Shadow Club uh, logo. But that's cool, it includes envelopes, but nobody's really cracked open the cellophane to show me what they look like, even though I've asked. Uh, and then we get to, uh, this is another one, this is that, you know, you've seen that kid disguise yourself as a shadow. Here it really is, this is the hat, the cape, and the box. 
for, and probably the only one known to exist in Dwight, from Dwight's collection. And in fact, this, he's never shown this picture before. This was exclusive for us. Um, and he did the setup because actually people were at his house this week taking photographs for a planned coffee table book that Condé Nast is putting out about the pulp heroes and the pulp era yeah, and Street Smith. And his collection will be featured in that, so look yeah. for more information. Yeah, you don't have to take pictures of every slide. You can, you can uh, get the book uh, in 2022. Uh, and then oh, I should have, I should have oh, built yeah, this up a little bit. This will haunt your dreams. This is the uh, yeah, this is the shadow mask. This is what he really looked like. Oof. And so it is interesting. If you, we, we, I've got these great close-ups of this. Was on the left, you'll see the logo that they were using for the shadow mask. On the right, this is the one on the hat and the cape, um, and they're different, which I think is interesting. And also. They both say, and I never knew this until I saw these cl extreme close-ups, it says the Shadow Magazine along the bottom. Like these were, they were, it was the magazine that was kind of licensed this stuff out. It wasn't part of the radio, it wasn't part of the movies or anything. They really, and they wanted again to put their stamp on it. They didn't. Or even comic book, yeah. Let's strictly the magazine. Yeah. And of course they changed the Shadow Club to the Shadow Nose, um, and they really kind of used that a lot. Now here's something that we haven't found. And when I say we, I mean Dwight. He's really looking for this stuff. And again, if anybody has seen one of these, Dwight pays top dollar. I'll flash his phone number at the end. Um, this is the disguise kit. We have a, a pretty nice picture of what the box looks like. Um, there's a, a, like a newspaper ad or sort of a classified ad for it that appeared. And then on the, on the uh, left is a ad slick that Dwight has in a, it's sort of a, a it, Walter Gibson sort of scrapbook. Of, of different stuff. Um, but 1941, we're going to get to the premium of premiums, the blue coal ring, which is actually called the, I think it's called the mystic ring in real life, but we all call it the blue coal ring. Right. Um, and it's a, should I spoil it? It's, they, they know this glow and dark ring, I guess. Yeah. Um, but what's great about it is, like, when you see pictures of it, it's really hard to kind of get the relief and the sculpting of this. But it's highly detailed. There's obviously shadows on both sides. And then it even says on the upper curve there, on one side it says blue coal. Pointy, pointy thing there. Oh, is there a pointy thing? Yeah. Oh, wow, look at that. Okay, it says blue coal. And then on the other side it says the shadow. And these are terrible pictures, people, but this is the best I could do. Well, it's very hard to see. It's really, yeah, it's really, but it's really cool when you, when you have one of these. Um, and generally, uh, uh, I think... I think Jim showed a, a good picture of it because it was dirtier. When it's dirtier, yeah. Yeah. you could see the relief better. This one I tried to take in extreme light so that you could kind of get the sculpting of the shadow and he's holding a gun and all that. And then, bum bum bum, the the glow in the dark, uh, the glow in the dark, which is kind of fun. Is that plastic? Yes. What? Some sort of plastic. Yeah. And the coal is also plastic. It's not coal. No. We're not sure if it's radioactive or not, but we have. I don't wear it. I'm not taking any chances. Uh, and then, of course, for the completest, it's all, the all-important mailer and card that came with it uh, along the top. That's the U.S. version. Along the bottom, the Canadian version. And so the U.S. version, actually, um, you could order more. Is a blank to order additional uh, rings. And I believe they were 10 cents. And there was no box top because coal doesn't have a box top. There's no proof of purchase of coal. It just comes to your house. Yeah, just send 10 cents. Uh, yeah. But and then heat regulators, because kids love heat regulators. I don't know why that's in there. 
Uh, and then this is another premium that seems to be sort of, it was never announced on the radio show, the way the, the, the ring was tied in with the story, with the radio story. This one was probably a regional item given out by a local dealer. Um, uh, and then this is another super rare. Uh, I don't even know if we have permission to show this. This is like, I, I, I should have taken it out maybe. Yeah, maybe. Oh boy, guys, this is exclusive. This is the, <laughs> this is the shadow blue coal cape. Um, and this is different from the hat and cape we saw that had, of course, the classic red highlights. So this is for blue coal blue. And this was given out to salesmen who, like, sold a lot of blue coal locally. And so it was kind of a premium sort of within the organization. And Dwight has actually owned all three that have turned up at one time or another. He's kept the nicest and he's sold the other two. Um, but only three have turned up that we know of. Um, and of course, so now let's talk about just sort of random giveaways, like cheap giveaways from your blue coal dealer. What goes better with coal than matches? Uh, so we've got this matchbook, and then we've got the really cool matchbook, which, you know, they've even printed on the matches. There's a little pop up feature where you pull down the shadow, and there's like criminals that are not paying back there. You got the skeleton, and again, you just like local uh, coal people would put their address on there. Um, really cool premium if you can find it in nice condition. A lot of times you'll find it without the matches. Um, and they did stickers. Amazing graphics. Love it. And then a ton of blotters. Uh, you've probably seen this one. Uh, this is a really great one from Canada. Here's one uh, also from Canada. I guess. And then, and then they did a lot of these where there's like a tiny little shadow in the corner, but it's mostly like some other ad copy, like "Wake up in a warm house with blue coal, so wholesome," but also listen to the shadow. Uh, so there's a there's a, there's a lot of these, um, and so that takes us to let's say 1942, where the comic did its first premium, which is a glow in the dark badge. Yeah. And this card, which is you kind of call a membership. It's sort of like a pledge card, let's call it. And, they, and they're calling themselves the Secret Society of the Shadow in the comic. But up to this point, you know, the, the, the comic had gone all in on the Shadow Club. Um, and so they promoted the Shadow Club, told you to join the Shadow Club, told you to go buy a copy of the pulp magazine to join the Shadow Club, all that. Um, and, but here on the, on the right, you can see an a advertisement for the, for the badge, for the glow badge, which is kind of cool. And this was on the inside cover. That's why there's all that fine print at the bottom about what issue it was. But this is from 42. Um, and so I should, we should pause here because actually in 1943, the Shadow Club sadly ended. Uh, Street Smith ended all of their clubs in 1943. I think the Shadow was in uh, March and the Doc Savage was in April. And uh, there was no more clubs. But luckily for the Shadow, the comic book kind of picked up the slack with the glow badge. Um, and, but for Doc Savage uh, Club, that was, that was kind of it. Um, and so things kind of seemed to be quieting down. But in 1946, there was like a whole new wave of selling the Shadow, let's say. Um, and there were more movies. Um, these are, this is the Kane Richmond series that Monogram uh, put together. Um, are we showing any of these? Um, no? Okay. Forget I showed this slide. 
Uh, and then at this time, Carrie Salt was the, uh, was the advertiser attached to the radio show. And I love, this is from Dwight's collection, I love this green sign, it almost looks like a green hornet or something. And there's a spider, which I love because I love the spider. But it's, it's very late 40s graphics, yeah. you know. It's very cool. And again, they're kind of going their own way with the logo and everything. And there's Bill Lawler. He will he's not, back. he lived forever, man. He's still, he's back um, with, and Kerry Salt's really kind of not doing a lot of new stuff with, with the shadow. They're kind of relying on these old images. Um, here's some nice, uh, this is again from a salesman's book that, that Dwight has some of the ad uh, slicks that you would see at the time. Again, Bill Lawler there. Um, and there were like local premiums, like this badge, uh, which was, uh, Hutchinson, Kansas is where, uh, is where Carrie Salt was. And this is somehow tied to that. I, I don't know. This is why we need Dwight here. I'm like, how did you make the connection with Carrie Salt? But he does. Um, anyway, it was on Sundays at three. Um, but then we get to the last great mail-away premium for the Shadow Radio Show, which is the, we call it the Carrie Salt Ring, they call it the Magic Shadow Ring. And again, glows in the dark, but instead of the figure of the shadow, we have an alligator. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we know why that's an alligator and not, and not the shadow. And it's again, Carrie Salt, kind of going, I guess, a little on the cheap and not doing sort of a new sculpt, but using a already established sort of sculpt from the premium vendor that they were using. And these are the multiple rings that used this, this particular shape. It was, it was created for Jack Armstrong. Um, and that's why it's got the kind of the jungle alligator motif and it's got a green stone. Then, uh, I think it was in 1945, that Buck Rogers picked it up as the ring of Saturn and I'm sure there are a lot of kids wondering why there were alligators on Saturn suddenly. <laughs> but now Saturn's moons. I mean, oh, you're yeah. right. You know what the moons? Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that's what the alligators are. And then, but then finally we get to the uh, the shadow ring, which is a black stone, um, and uh, alligators, uh, which you know is kind of cool. So, and then uh, yeah, I, I kind of want to just go to 1954. That's where our talk ends. It it, it it's it, it sort of peaked, and then it kind of peaked coming. and it went down. And I think we've kind of seen sort of most of the uh, you know the sort of the shape of that phenomenon that was the shadow from the beginning uh, to the end. Before we take questions, uh, I do want to plug Dwight. He didn't ask me to do this, but uh, he really he's a good guy for for uh, allowing us to show his stuff without him here. And he does really does pay top dollar if you've got any rare shadow items that you want to uh, sell. And you can, uh, I can probably leave that up, but I did want to leave with this fun slide, which was a, from a parade somewhere, which was kind of a really fun way to sell the shadow. Um, they dressed somebody up as the shadow and, and they promoted the radio show in some kind of parade. And cold uh, But I'm going to go back here. And should we take questions? Uh, he knows guys who picks exactly. through barns. <laughs> yeah, he, he's got his fingers out in probably every state, and, and particularly Pennsylvania, because it was the it was where a lot of coal. It was where blue coal was. Where blue coal was. A lot of things do turn up in Pennsylvania, and so he's always looking at antique malls and barns here, 
uh, and or knows people who um, and because he's this ad has been running like in Blood and Thunder and been running everywhere illustration for magazine just de- a lot of different decades yeah. like people know he's the one so if they find something in a barn they're they're gonna call him and chances are they'll be re- they'll be rich afterwards. Um, any, oh, here's a question. Um, of the surviving magazines and comics, mm-hmm. any idea of how, how often the coupon has been flipped out? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I did. When I was doing my first talk, I was talking about the heartbreak of being reading a Doc Savage and finding part of the story was clipped out of the coupon. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know in my own collection, because I had to take pictures for the talk, um, I would say it was like two out of ten, maybe. That's probably about right. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not. We're, we're cut, we're clipped. Too many. It wasn't. It wasn't terrible. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. Does that answer? I don't. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Kind of I, I would love to. We need an app for that where we track yeah. where people can. A little touch of authenticity. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, and a lot of us, of course, if you're buying Doc Savage, you've probably already read the Bantam, so it's not like I don't know what Monk said. You know, you're. Who knows? <laughs> rich. Uh, rich. It's interesting because that was from probably 1940-ish because yeah. it included the Avenger, like issues from 39. Um, maybe by that time they kind of came around and they're like, we, we can make a business out of it yeah. or we can you know, sell extra issues. I don't know. It, it probably might have been the case that early on they, they didn't keep them because they had to reprint, they had to print those books. They did promote Do you know? They had back issues for a while. So, Do you know when they started promoting them? Even in the, in the 30s. Mm-hmm. Even early on. Which is kind of what they were doing with that. With that. um, But they probably eventually ran out, maybe discouraged it. Interesting. Maybe there's another reason they didn't want Walter Gibson to to talk. You know, to to add in a lot of continuity, and they just used that as an excuse. I don't know. Um, Yes. Right here. Regarding the contest where people were asked to write in descriptions of the show. Yeah. Do any of those descriptions still remain? Because I maybe confirmed it. Yes, I mean, I think we can be pretty sure that he did ignore them because he was approached, I think, in December of 1930 to start working on, on and the contest didn't start didn't. until later. It didn't end until July. Does so, this, yeah. I, I don't know the answer to this question. Does the shadow have a snake on his chest? Uh, yeah, well, a cobra. He does have a cobra because that was one of the answers. That was, yeah, that's yeah. right. But I mean, it does. Some of the answers were that he had slender fingers, he was thin, mm-hmm. um, so he sort of fits in. But but the cobra tattoo on his chest, I don't think I ever figured in this. In the... That didn't come up. Um, but and and if you saw, they didn't announce the winners until July, so they had to go through all the you know people who had collected all the clues and 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 pick winners and stuff. Yeah. So I think it had no impact on. On the first issue, yeah, the Gibson. Um, but it would be interesting to think, like, oh, maybe they picked an old cover because they couldn't, yeah. they didn't want to depict the shadow yet because they hadn't announced the winners. I don't know. But I'm sure Gibson was feverishly typing away trying to. <laughs> uh, David. So what, did, what did the winner actually get? Uh, wasn't it a thousand dollars? Yeah, there were several. Uh, and they had ten winners. Ten winners, yeah. They had ten winners got a thousand dollars back then. What? And the annuity payments over twenty years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. We send you stamps. 
Any, okay. are we at time? Any other we're questions? Time, yeah. I forget what time we're supposed to end. Right now. Right now, 9.40. Okay. Uh, but no one's stopping us, so let's keep going. A question. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. We know where, like, in terms of prototypes and things, we know where Street and Smith's files are. Yeah. I don't know about Blue Coal, though. Or you don't think if else. they were advertised, they would be uh, produced something. But Yeah. Yeah. Although that pen light... I, it, oh, it looks like a drawing. I don't think they ever made one. Yeah, the pencil yeah. one. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You've been listening to a Pulp Event podcast, brought to you by the PulpNet, your link to the online world of the Pulp magazines for over 25 years. Please visit us online at thepulp.net. Also, look for the PulpNet on Facebook and on Twitter. Thank you for listening, and keep reading the pulps. The Pulp Event Podcast is copyright 2021.